Behind What Lies Behind is a series of podcasts that asks what lies behind, what we say and do, how we think and behave, whether it's obvious, falsely obvious, common sense notions, inherited echoes we mightn't be aware of, and seeks to risk, surprise and challenge the givens and draws attention to the trampoline of language. Hello, I'm Wolfgang. Um, what lies behind to me is a chance to explore the questions we're going to raise through a creative lens. And that's what I'm going to attempt to do as we traverse this intrepid landscape we find ourselves in when asking these questions. OK, um, and I'm Don Carl from Critical Difference, and we want to start in what lies behind conversations that matter. Now, there's some common features I'll illustrate in a minute and some longer features. The longer feature this week is disordering. But the shorter ones are word of the week, for example. So, well, not a waffle. Word of the week. What is your word of the week, Wolfgang? My word of the week, Don, is two words pushed together. It's a reference to one of my favourite films growing up. And I'm pretty sure people who were born in the 90s, like myself, and maybe a bit before, would remember this reference from the film Donnie Darko. And that word is cellador. They referenced in the film that this combination of words, cellar door, is the most beautiful in the English language. Now, you know, that, I think that's a little bit up for grabs, but according to the study of phonesthetics, uh, there it is. Cellar door. Cellar door. Well, I'm going to believe Wolfgang in case he pushes me down into a cellar door or something, but um, okay. Uh, my word of the week is. An advertisement that recently came through the door for um, takeaway food, which was um, plant-based recipe kits, all flavour, no fav. Sounds good, doesn't it? Except the name of this company was Grubby. Do you think that'll sell? Grubby? Okay. And another word of the week comes from my own country, Ireland, which is duffed up. Have you ever been duffed up, Wolfgang? Probably more times than I can care to remember. <laughs> How about yourself? <laughs> duffed up, yeah, been duffed up. Um, duffed up is colonial language. It comes from the behaviour of the British Army in my own country. In this instance, during the War of Independence, uh, roughly a hundred years ago, and it was the behaviour of a, a British Army group called the Black and Tans, who did random killings, destroying villages, looting, and so on, completely unaccountable. But they were led by a man called Douglas Duff. And they had permission to duff anybody up, including killing them. And this re-emerged in uh, Palestine in the 30s, where people were duffed up as well. And and indeed, 50 years later, during the so-called Troubles, more later, in West Belfast, because this particular period is the anniversary of the New Lodge 6 massacre, where such behaviour continued. So we're looking at what, um, what words you might think are worth us paying attention to. Now, another feature that we're going to have is um, Leader of the Week. Mine is another Irish example. It's John Joseph Gill, um, the tale of the immigrants who are forgotten. And he was a labourer in Birmingham. He died recently and he wrote this poem. I know your streets aren't paved with gold because I laid them in the rain and cold. I worked like a donkey, a Trojan, a slave. I paid my way here. I earned my grave. So those for the 
unshiny leaders and the more leaders you can think of who are shiny or otherwise, um, let us know. Now, another feature we have is noticing of the week. So, Wolfgang, what have you noticed? I've noticed how language can be wielded to obfuscate what's pretty clear or objective, uh, whether it be corruption or what have you. I'm going to go into it a bit later in the podcast, but I'll leave it at that for now. All right. Okay. Well, my noticing the week was when I was on a train just before Christmas going, going north out of St Pancras, and a woman got on behind and she was talking very quietly to her friend. She was about 60, I guess. And she was saying, in relation to my Christmas visit, it went well because I didn't say anything wrong. And I thought, wow, you know, is wrong the right word? Did you go and have your festive uh, parties? Did you say anything wrong? What would that be? What did you notice, in other words? Okay, so the main feature in this edition of What Lies Behind is disordering. Um, Let me explain that. Years ago, I worked in the alternative comedy circuit before the biggest risk of attending a comedy gig was getting irony poisoning. So some of the acts I remember was a strong first act, a woman called Pauline Melville. And she came on stage and quieted the audience by saying, here's two of the biggest lies I've ever heard. One, your gyro's in the post. And two, I won't come in your mouth. (laughs) And this was brought up at the end, the, the, the bottom of the bill, but always the strongest act, was a guy called Tony Allen, who continually berated the audience. He used to say things like, can't you all laugh at the same time? He said, there's too much disorderly laughing. And they all laughed at the same time. So in this podcast, we want to link lies and disorder. And we're claiming that much of the time, um, lies work by disordering the language. So we have some examples of categories of language here, but they all interlink and you can um, make, up, make up your own. The first one is laundering language. Any examples there? So my example of laundering language is when our leaders are incapable of taking any responsibility or accountability. They'll be asked very straightforward questions and do anything possible linguistically to evade giving a straightforward answer such as, did you open this door? No, I didn't open the door. It was a a mechanical lever attached to a plank of wood set in by a frame. But no, I didn't open a door. It's not a door, but its IQ is bigger than mine, yes. Um, Laundering language. Okay, here's some examples. I misspoke, not I lied. We have alternative facts, not we lied. My truth is self-lying. Do you want to smell iconic, not like cheap sweets? Um, These are as true, true, as sure as I am a fairy liquid consultant. So let's have a look at another category, which is word inflation. And this is to falsely enlarge something seemingly unaware that this devalues it. And my example of word inflation is the big G, genius. Now, in creative circles, that word gets kicked about like a cheap football. And I'll ask you, the audience, what do you think lies behind that? For me, I think it's a way to uh, capitalise on a bit of sensationalism, drawing clicks, attention. And that isn't to say that when the word genius is used to describe an artist or musician, that they aren't skilled or proficient in their respective medium. I'm simply drawing attention 
to what separates someone who is skilled, talented, proficient from a genius? Yeah, I mean, um, we might ask the audience, do they know people who aren't geniuses? Because they might be the real geniuses now. <clears throat> we can convolute that. So here's some examples. Um, awesome on a game show knowing your name. Brilliant on a quiz show knowing Paris is the capital of France. Um, wonderful online having a credit card. Uh, the boy did brilliantly well. Thank you, Lee Dixon, football commentator. Um, or when somebody who stops tells a customer, do this for me, rather than just saying, please. Um, and then, finally, an example of um, word inflation. Did you know you're on fire? You're on fire? Because Quaker Oats, they feed the fire within. So another category is possessed by the drivel. I was in a conversation recently with a woman who said, like, 12 times in one utterance. The rest was, oh, my God, amazing. What's left? No, I'm saying. This lazy word chucking, you see it frequently with the easily satisfied addicted around a mobile phone consuming dog-eared memes. Oh, it was so funny. Feeding on phone syrup and titter fodder, which is infantilizing. Um, can they tell a joke? Ask a decent question, begin to improve their lot? Well, as Marshall McLuhan used to say, uh, the medium is the message. So I think it entirely depends what your intention is when consuming uh, the various forms of media you previously described. Uh, I think it has the potential to be very beneficial. A lot of information can reach a, a lot of places where uh, only you know a very short time ago in human history that was actually impossible so look at it as more of an opportunity than um, a downfall I would say okay well I that I mean I learned how to backcomb my eyebrows from TikTok but I mean that, that was real genius that was um, so we're wondering what words we should tax so that they would eventually fall out of the language and which we would find ways of make, making challenging people to be more interesting. So what words would you tax in this sort of way? So here's another example of disordering language. So here we're taking sleeping words which need waking up. Now these words might seem ordinary and neutral, but they reinforce inequalities with events implications. They make disordered worlds seem natural. And the word I'm going to look at here is success. And I'm talking about McKinsey, the highly successful values-driven consultant organization. Um, did you know that McKinsey are hugely influential in, with many McKinsey alumni working in many public and private organizations? The firm had advised virtually every pharmaceutical company and their government regulators um, here we have the immense cost and failure, for instance, of the government test and trace COVID program led by a McKinsey consultant, Dido Harding, who, if you remember, had a very taxing selection process. As consultants for the US big pharma company Purdue, they received $83 million for marketing advice to turbocharge the painkilling drug OxyContin which fueled the opioid crisis, opioid crisis, leading to half a million deaths. One McKinsey ex-partner suggested that what did more harm than any other thing was their shareholder maximization strategy, which meant really disinvestment in people to ensure bigger profits. 
He said this was the father of inequality and, and, and inequality is the father of Trump. Later, McKinsey, by the way, settled a lawsuit by 50 US states for more than $600 million, which is considerably more than they got in fees. Now, is that success to you? If that's success, what I want you to do is imagine the word excess looming in big lit capitals behind it and gobbling up the word success. By the way, the source of some of those facts I've been giving you comes from a book called McKinsey Comes to Town by Bogdanovich and Forsyth. Yeah, it's a topic that's quite close to home for me. Uh, in my earlier years, it's fair to say I was a bit of a drug enthusiast, quote unquote, and meandered my way through the world of psychedelics and pharmaceuticals, purely for research purposes, of course, um, n never for leisure. <laughs> and it's also fair to say that the opiate end of the spectrum was by far one of the most damaging. Now, the thing about oxycotton is they basically lied barefaced to the public, saying that we found the alternative to morphine that's not addictive. And funnily enough, um, the pharmaceutical companies that make the oxycotton also make the drugs to get off oxycotton so either way they're profiting from addiction yeah yeah that needs that needs looking at and and the fine probably doesn't compensate for it either no one other word one sleeping word is the word fine so what does the word fine mean to you we're saying here that fining does not make things fine. And the example is Facebook Meta paying $725 million fine for allowing third-party access to personal information of its customers and, of course, denying it. This was the example of Cambridge Analytica, which was instrumental in enabling the Brexit vote. Well, I think um, power needs to be returned to the people in terms of data. We should be able to sell our data and profit from our data because at the moment everything we do it's being siphoned off by some third party uh, you know agency that sells it off to uh, various uh, advertising corporations or what have you and we're not seeing a, a dime of that so I, I believe in returning the power of data to people who produce it you know mm, interesting so would you say that influencers or Instagram characters who are making something from it are self-exploiting. Yeah, but they're not really using data in the way these companies are using mm -hmm. it. They're mm -hmm. just uh, spons being sponsored by products and saying you should buy this because I use it, etc. What we're talking about is data harvesting. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you mm -hmm. go on Google, go on Amazon, and everything you search for is being sold to various ad advertising agencies. Yeah, you know, yeah. Without you even consenting, to be honest. Not okay. Really. I think that's something that we'll we'll return to. Um, our final example of sleeping sleeping words, disordering words, is one that has been continually historically designed to seemingly give us comfort, but inevitably turned out to be false. And this is the troubles in my own country. The troubles. Now, what is that? What do you understand by that? Because trouble usually means oh. I'm going to, I missed the bus, I'm going to be late for work, or your direct debit has failed and you have to contact the bank. Here's a better way to express what the troubles are. Um, historically and politically, after 800 years, the final phase of the ending of England's last colony in the northeast of my own country. 
Okay, so what disorderly language have you noticed or disorders generally? Let us know. And what lies behind says the minimum, the minimum we can do is notice, question and take action over these issues that seem bland and, and neutral. A recent book I read had an old-fashioned character who when, things, when she experienced things she didn't like or understand said, well, I ask you. Well, I ask you. So we're saying take that as a theme. Let's ask, let's make questions and let's make alternatives. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Ciao from myself, Wolfgang, and, and Don Carroll.